humans. This is your host, Jeffrey Wu, and welcome to this week's episode of the Human Enhancement Podcast. And I'm excited to have Nelson Dulles, a four-time U.S. memory champion, uh, on our program today. So clearly someone who's at, at the peak performance in terms of memory, cognitive performance, and probably has interesting stories on how he got to that kind of level. Uh, welcome to the program, Nelson. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, so we've had another world champion or a record-breaking memory expert, Dave Farrell, on our program. We can link to that. But it sounds like um, you've been on the competitive circuit where Dave has been focused more on sort of you know one or two world records. Can you uh, tell us about the, the, like the memory scene or the competitive memory scene? How does it all break down? Yeah, I mean... Um... A lot of people just get into the memory techniques because they personally want to improve their memory. Um, and that's kind of where it started for me. But then the problem came is like, how do you kind of, how do you, how do you measure that? Right? Like if I want, if I was asking uh, someone to help me improve my memory, they'd maybe show me some techniques, but then where do I take it? Where do I stop? How do I know that I've reached whatever, you know? Um, so then when I found out about these competitions, memory, the U S memory championship, I was like, okay, that's a great like platform to, base my improvement off of like past records or world records or if I win them, you know, benchmarking myself against others. So that's kind of what I thought was what excited me the most uh, and to keep me motivated, especially to train every day uh, to have a better memory. Yeah. How did you even get started in this space? So, I mean, you know, it was yeah, some, I, some kids grow up wanting to be policeman or a firefighter. Did you grow up wanting I, to be a memory no, champion? Not at all. If you told me that I was going to be like memorizing for hours on end at competitions, I would have been like, wow, that's, that's a boring existence, Nelson. <laughs> um, but no, I, uh, I wanted to be an astronaut, actually. I uh, still do, but uh, I think I'm too tall, actually. Um, anyways, uh, my grandmother had Alzheimer's, um, and she passed away in 2009, which um, came as a shock to her. I mean, it wasn't shock we knew that she was deteriorating but i never really lost anyone i didn't really think it was just actually going to happen and it did and uh that was kind of like the catalyst after that my my interest in memory just like how old were you at the time that was about that was 2009 so what eight years ago okay yeah so yeah uh, 25 okay (laughs) yeah um and before that you know I love studying physics. I was good with numbers, but you know, people will say, okay, well that means you must've had a good memory. But to be honest, I don't think my memory was anything noteworthy. Uh, not even with numbers necessarily. Um, so to get that out there, I never had a good memory. It's only until, you know, that moment happened and I decided, um, to find a way to improve my memory. And I discovered yeah. this. I and then discovered even at techniques. age 25, I mean, this is not you know, when you're, you know, 12 and your brain is still plastic. I mean, I, I, you had a fully sort of formed, mature adult brain, usually by 25. So you yeah. really, you know, applied yeah, technique to... Yeah, skin. Yeah. So, um, so it sounded like, okay, so that was, so your, your grandmother passing was a catalyst. And how did that lead to go become a champion memorizer? Yeah, um... So like I said, I, I wanted to find a way to kind of measure how good I was getting. And I train every day, I'd get better. And I was like kind of addicted to the feeling of having this superhuman power. So, 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 the, so the first thing was like what, what, memorizing words? Uh, you know, and that, that was kind of the problem. I was like, well, if, I want, if I, I'm going to use these techniques that I discovered, what should I memorize? Should right. I 
find like my favorite poem and memorize it, then what? Um, and that's, I think what really like got me like hooked to the championship is because there's specific events like memorizing a deck of cards, memorizing lists of words, names and faces, uh, numbers, uh, what else? Um, just random information, dates, stuff like that. And, uh, that was stuff that I could do every day, like little sets of it. And I take notes on how well I performed this day under what circumstance. And then I could see my improvement and I knew what I had to get, uh, to do well at these competitions. And then it was a even bigger goal to just be the champion, right? right? Um, kind of a great thing to aim for while, um, just keeping my brain healthy, you know? Right. So 25, you started, uh, looking at memory as something that you wanted to optimize for and started getting quantitative with it, right? Like benchmarking, you know, hey, you know, I'm memorizing 17 words now, but as before yesterday, I was memorizing 12 words or something. Um, and when did you start becoming competitive? How, you know, when did it become like, hey, I could be a, a US champion, a world champion? Yeah, I mean, I thought I was doing pretty good with my training. Um, and then I showed up at the the 2010 competition. So about a year pretty, in. So like one year in, you're like, oh, okay, I, I'm, I could be competitive. I'm going to sign up for oh, this. Oh, yeah. Well, you see, the, the championship itself is um, it's kind of small. I mean, yeah. at the time back then, there may have been 40 to 50 people. And it's, it's not like, it's not a big world. The top elite, there's very, very few, especially right. back then. And then the rest are just kind of like interested. They've heard about the techniques, but they're not super competitive. So when I showed up, I thought I was going to have to fight a bit. And I actually ended up in the top 10, like pretty easily. Um, I mean, considering my training, right. um, but then I lost in the finals off of like a an amateur's mistake. Um, you know, and the more experienced guy won. And that's kind of where I was like, okay, I can win this. I just got to take it up a notch. Uh, the experience will play in next year. And then for two, the rest of 2010 and 2011, I just trained even harder. It was pretty intense. And then I won. 2011 was the first time that I won. Nice. So that's pretty incredible to go from just exploring a space to becoming a, a champion in, in, in this space in a couple of years. So yeah. what did training look like for you? Can you break down your protocols and, 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 and yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so there were these different events, right? right? Um, I knew what I had to get. So the, the, the competition is broken up into the morning and the afternoon. The morning is four events and it's the top eight overall that advanced to the final rounds in the afternoon. And so I knew that I had to get certain scores to be in the top, uh, round. And this eight. is based on historical data. Yeah, like, like top eight is usually words. you know a thousand words or five hundred yeah. words. Okay, and kind of like I wouldn't say manipulating people, but just kind of like poking and probing some of the past competitors who were planning to win right. and seeing who they were talking about, what they were doing. Um, you know, because I was this new guy, nobody knew who I was, and most people who plan to win the championship, it's a lot of talk, right? right. It's hard to follow it up with the training, um, as I've seen over the years. You know, a lot of people have done that to me. And I worry like crazy that there are these guys that are going to be like me coming up. And then most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, nothing comes of it. Right. right. But anyways, that's what I was doing. And, um, you know, so I would just train those four events. I do sets of it over and over and over again until it was just so automatic. What are the, what are the four events? They just uh, make it very yeah, clear. It's speed cards, which is memorize a deck of cards as quickly as possible. Okay. Um, so, 50, so 52 cards in the right order. And you Shuffled. get... You, 
you look at it for a certain amount of time and that's your time. And then you have to reconstruct that deck with another brand new deck right. and they have to match what exactly. Okay. And then basically you get a higher placement if you, the less amount of time it takes to memorize. Exactly. And yeah. then you get penalized. I guess you get something wrong. Yeah. I mean, or you, like you, you just first, get, you first have to get all 52 cards, right? Okay. Uh, then the speed is, uh, the, what counts. So, okay. you know, you'll see some people go like really fast and then they miss one card disqualified you're out of well not disqualified you get maybe however many cards let's say you may got the first 42 cards correct and then just made one mistake right. after that um so then that would be your score 42 whereas okay. someone who did 52 cards correctly but took five minutes you know they're I better see. than you even though i see i um, see so accuracy wins versus um got it uh, yeah so time is a tiebreaker and yeah, accuracy exactly. is, 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 is what actually is the, the, the primary metric. Cool. Okay, so that's speed, speed cards. Yeah. Event and one. Then, yeah, and then you do names and faces. Okay. So memorizing names, uh, you see these random headshots of people. It's a whole uh, staple packet of pictures. Um, there's like 12 per page, and um, you know, they have a first and last name. And you get 15 minutes to memorize as many as you can, and then you get another 15, 20 minutes to look at the same kind of group of photos, just obviously jumbled and no names. So you got to write in the names. Wow. And uh, you get a point for every correct first or last name. Wow. And, and, you, and, and, and how much is total? Like, I guess this big binder full of people is like yeah. hundreds, thousands it's, of people. Well, back then, I don't remember how many pages it was, but it keeps increasing because people advance and okay. push the sport. Okay. I currently have the the record for that. It's 201 names in 15 um, minutes. And yeah, out of a possible 234. Wow. Yeah. And you got to remember, so <laughs> a lot of them I go for all of them and then most I usually make spelling mistakes, right? Okay. Um like it's Lindsay with an e instead of an a. Uh so that So so in a cocktail party now, are you just really damn good at remember people's names so this is actually applied to uh your everyday life or is it just like very specific to the event no it could uh if i try um okay. and i don't always try so okay um <laughs> if i wanted to be um better no, everyone at the party you would you could knock that out easily yeah yeah, okay. yeah. and sometimes i do that but sometimes i just don't give I just it just, it just, go, it just goes in and out of the year which I yeah. think a lot of people, I think, probably have the same thing, right? Like, I, I, I just introduced myself. I totally forgot your name before I even, like, said my second <laughs> sentence. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to know that even a memory champion uh, can, can turn that part of their brain off, too. Yeah. Okay, um, so that's event two. So event three is? Numbers. So speed numbers, they give you a sheet filled with rows and rows and rows of digits. It's 500 on a page. And uh, they give you five minutes to look at it, and you can memorize as, as many as you can uh, in order, obviously, line by line. And then you get 10 minutes to write them out, and you get it's, – it's graded by rows. So each row is 20 points, and if you make one mistake on any row, you lose that row. So, so there's that. And then the last one of the day is a poem. They give you a 50-line random never-seen published poem they write it themselves the organizers and you have to memorize for 15 minutes as many lines exact spelling exact punctuation you know the lines where they end and stuff um you write it out uh 20 minutes recall um 
and everything has to be exactly the same. If you make one mistake on a line, you lose the points for that line. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, sounds like uh, a pretty good span of digit as well as verbal and word recall and a little in, in facial recognition, which is like, it seems to be like a good spread of, of not, uh, of types of memory. Yeah. And what's good about those events, practicing them over and over again, like to train for that is it's kind of like a good overall, uh, practice of your memory muscles. You know, I, some people are like, well, why memorizing a deck of cards every day? This is not going to do anything for your everyday mm -hmm. life. And okay. Yes. You're not memorizing cards every day, but the practice of, how I go about it, which we can maybe talk about yeah. in a moment. Um, that process. Um, if if I'm training with the cards, with the cards, I can get faster at the process. And if I can get faster at the process, then I can do it to anything right. pretty quickly. Right. Um, so you're you're finding different uh, contained ways to train something that can be applied to uh, almost anything. Yeah, let's dive into it. So, you know, what are some of the key, you know, low hanging fruit for our listeners out there who are like, okay. I, I'm kind of forgetful or, you know, I like to improve my memory. What are like the yeah. key Nelson tips here? Yeah, there's kind of uh, three or four that I like to go to. One is super obvious and most of the time doesn't need to, to be said, but in this day and age, I think it, it helps to say it is to pay attention um, <laughs> and to actively um, want to learn or memorize something. Without that, you're struggling. Everyone's struggling. Even me, like I was saying at the cocktail party, if I'm in that mode where I just don't want to do anything, unfortunately, even though I train a lot, I'm not going to just absorb it because I'm a memory champion. Right. Um, I have to like say, oh, I'm going to do it tonight. I'm going to meet these people and go home knowing everybody's name or, you know, maybe more reasonably 10 people's names or whatever. Right. Um, and just that like voice that you tell yourself with, um, that setting that goal, uh, or making it, so trying to hold yourself accountable makes a huge difference with especially memory because suddenly your focus is is wired and, yep. and, and has a purpose. Yep. And with that, that's kind of the root of having a good memory. Okay. That sounds like a good zero th order bit, right? Like actually yeah, exactly. try to memorize stuff. Don't just yeah. work in like expecting to just have your brain absorb things on yeah, its own automatically. Even the people and you know, I can imagine there'd be listeners being like, well, that's, you know, I just have a bad memory. Right. Why would I do that? I forget everything. And so that's like the most self-defeating thought, you know. Um, and of course you have a bad memory if that's the way you think. I would challenge those people to just give it a try, you know. And and I think you'd be surprised at how much better, maybe not incredible, but better it would be um, if you just made that active choice and kind of let go of that uh, preconceived the, idea. Or that, that, or that fear that, like, you're bad. Or, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, so getting beyond that, that's right. very simple. Um, the next kind of step is to, to think in pictures. Um, and that takes advantage of something that our brains are just naturally good at. So when you look at or receive information somehow that needs to be retained, um, it's often given to us in a form that our brains don't necessarily like to absorb naturally. You know, playing cards are very complicated, abstract symbols, pictures. Um, numbers are essentially abstract symbols, you know, um, lists or, or definitions in a, in a bio class, a high-level bio class. That's abstract stuff, you know, that you have to, like, read these difficult words and pair it with a really difficult meaning. And um, if you can turn those complicated things into pictures, very simple pictures, and this can be through association 
uh, through humor or silliness, anything that it just reminds you of, hmm. you can see it in your mind, that already is going to be a lot more sticky than um, the actual complicated stuff that you're right. trying to like, remember. Like, is this similar to eidetic memory for you? Like, you're just recalling the picture of the poem or, or, or are you memorizing, uh, for, for, for you, are you like memorizing the words in the poem or are you uh, just like memorizing the image of the poem and you're reading off you know, in your mind, yeah. in your mind's I'm eye. Not, I'm not visualizing an image of the thing itself, right. not the words, not the card. Um, it's an associated picture. Okay. So if I read a poem and the first like few words says, um, uh, like a balloon, right, whatever, um, I would picture a balloon and maybe I would imagine what it would be like to really, really like this balloon, you know, like to, yeah. to a point where like, I never let it go. I shower with it. I sleep with it. Just obsessed with this balloon, right? right? So that whole image, you know, encompasses that, those three that words. Phrase. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, part of it, obviously, you know, I'm not supposed to write, let's say I'm recalling the poem. It's not about remembering the pictures. Obviously, you have to remember the words. Right. But as you look at the poem or read it or hear it, there is a kind of a background, unconscious memorizing going on. You're just trying to, relate it to um, something that you can use to help you recall it, like a cue, right? right? right. Uh, to kind of mesh those two kind of memorizing things together. So you kind of stack up cues then. Like that's, you, yeah, like, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, it's kind so of it's like, like, you, like you think of a balloon, then you think of, you know, a, 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 you know the string, the pink string that holds the balloon down to the like birthday yeah. cake, and, and, and then you just start stringing these images together? Is that, yeah, because, okay. yeah, because if, if I look at a page and I'm trying to remember what was on that page and I see the letter B-A-L-L-O-O-N, right. you know, okay, balloon. Um, does balloon have two L's or one L? Two L's, I believe, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, rather than if you think of the actual balloon, like you said, all the little details, the emotions behind it, maybe make a little funny scenario with it right. that just adds so much uh stickiness to it it makes right. it a lot more memorable cool and then more advanced than that because uh, imagine you have maybe not three words of a poem but like 40 lines of a poem yep. right yep. yep so then you're gonna have just basically 40 or more different pictures right what do you do with all those pictures and keep them straight so the last kind of step you know we have paying attention uh visual visualization the last one is storage. How do you store that information in a way that can be easily organized and retrieved uh, successfully later? And that's where you get into more complicated things, um, which I'm not, I remember if you talked about it with Dave, but uh, the memory palace um, or the Roman room method, these are all kind of the same thing with different names, but it's a way of storing information in an order um, in a very filed manner in your brain uh, by using some other ideas. I don't want, I don't know how, how deep you want yeah, to go. No, let's but. dive into it. I mean, I think, I think it's yeah. interesting, you know, the, how, the way you explain it, right? Like, I think everyone has their own explanation and, and, and their own process how to express it and incorporate it. Yeah, like, yeah, like, exactly. like, I think, I think our, our, I mean, let's dive into it, right? Like, I think it's like, clearly you're world-class at, at, at your practice here. And I think we can all <laughs> learn, a, you know, you know, and, and get inspired from how you break down these techniques. Yeah, sure. So, so visual, visualizing things is kind of one thing our brain is really good at, pictures, thinking of pictures. And then the other thing that we're really good at, kind of naturally hardwired, is uh, memorizing spatial information just without even trying. Um, right. if you, 
can remember last time you entered a building for your for the first time, like say it was a new place you went to, and somebody took you outside and said, go back to the place you just were, like say you were in a room there, you could probably do it. You know, okay, some people get lost, they need directions, fine, but more or less, you know that there was a wall here, a wall there, the elevators were kind of over there, um, all without trying to memorize something. That's pretty right. impressive. And you could close your eyes and, and more or less uh, figure out where you went and right. what it looked like inside. Now imagine that for something you actually know very well, like your house, right? You could close your eyes and start at your front door, picture yourself there and walk through your house. You could do that probably in your office. And yeah. there are probably a, a, large amount, a large amount of places that you could do that pretty well for. Um, so what you do is for the memory palace is you take these places um, and you choose a route that feels natural through it. And you take the pictures that you associated from the stuff you're memorizing and you place them along the route, interacting with the environment. Right. Right. So that balloon, which, you know, you were just thinking about all the details. If that's the first part of your poem, maybe you're going to attach that to the handle uh, of your front door. Hmm. Right. Okay. And maybe you make some funnier, you know, image of it. Maybe it's the balloon from the movie It, and it just suddenly floats there. And there's that creepy ass clown, uh, clown yeah. waiting for you at the front door. You know, right. um, and that's it. And so that's the first image. And you move in uh, to the hallway, and you place the next image. And do you and always have the so same route when you're doing this technique? Do you always carry the same route? You just put different things on different. Yeah, so house. I have I have a lot of what I call journeys or memory right. palaces um, that I cycle through, especially because I train a lot. I right. do a lot of decks of cards a day. I do a lot of numbers. Right. So I don't keep using the same memory palace over and over because then you maybe run into interference with a past deck that I memorized. So, right. you know, the first time I do a deck today, maybe I'll use my current house. And then maybe for my second set, I'll use, you know, childhood home. Uh and I have these all kind of planned out. I have maybe 20 different memory palaces specifically for cards. Huh. Um, I have and then maybe and another... you're placing like Ace of Spades there. Well, the image for King. Ace of Spades. Okay, okay. The so King of actually, Hearts there. Yeah. King of Hearts is my dad, for example. Ace of Spades is Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I oh, picture those. Okay, so you have like 52 different like strong, you know, like I guess concepts or people that represent cards. Yeah, yeah. And there's so, a reason why they represent that card that I. What seven of clubs for ago. you? Uh, that's Batman, like uh, George Clooney Batman. <laughs> so you okay? That's cool. Like, who's Jack of Diamonds? Jack of Diamonds is my sister. Uh, I'll give you a reason why. Yeah. Jennifer Dellis, that's her name. So yeah. Jack, Jennifer, the J, yeah. and Diamonds D is. So, so you, you so you see your sister like hanging out on like the couch and it's like oh like that's the seventeenth yeah. thing in, in exactly yeah and then so that card I've I've trained a lot at this point so that I don't even think about the jack of diamonds feels like my sister it's like looking at a photo of her almost wow um, because I've trained that so yeah. much but uh if you can you know and that's all it is is if 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 it if you can boil it down to memorizing things that have meaning to you obviously my sister is meaningful to me my dad. Batman, you know, I, I grew up watching those crappy right. 90 Batman <laughs> movies. Right. Um, and so they have a meaning to me because they're from my childhood. They give me a funny, nostalgic feeling. So um, when I see that, it's a lot easier to remember than a seven and this little black kind of flower shape called, we call clubs, you know? That's cool. So I can imagine, okay, you can create this, a similar thing for numbers 
yeah and 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 I, and poems like there's concepts there but how about how do you do it for faces right and faces <laughs> and names that seems like it's hard to project a mapping yeah of a yeah. random so face and a random name right so there's information as you point out that it's kind of you know what you're going to get obviously it's going to be randomized but at least it's contained to 10 symbols right with digits zero right. through nine you're always right. going to see those right. nothing else cards 52 cards nothing else um with faces and names uh there's almost endless possibilities right more or less i mean and we it's, know like, it's like continuous right it's not a discrete thing you can memorize yeah exactly like you could meet you could actually meet a thousand people in a day yeah. versus another day where you meet one yeah. right um so how do you kind of manage that so the idea is roughly the same. You just make little alterations based on how the information comes, how, uh, yeah, the, the medium of how uh, of the, the information. So names, um, I don't store them in memory palaces. Rather, I use the person as the anchor. So in the same way that I attach, you know, pictures to like the front door, the couch, whatever, um, rather than going through my memory palace, I use their face or something about them to be the anchor for the image that um, their name uh, reminds me of. Hmm. And the name image uh, coming up with a thing is, is kind of tricky and takes a bit of practice, but um, it's more of an improvisation game. Right. Um, you know, and, and some names that I hear a lot, Jeff is a very common you know, American name, I guess. Um, I have a specific image for it. Like, I always think of my, uh, I'm in the computer science department at university down here in Florida and my professor, my mentor, his name is Jeff. So whenever I hear Jeff, it's always a picture of him that pops up in my mind. Right. Um, whereas this might be obvious to people. If I hear a name like Mario, I think of super Mario. Right. Um, and then, and then you tie was, like some, you tie like the person trying to memorize his face to that image. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I would choose something, say I'm memorizing Jeff. I would choose something about your face. Um, that just, pops out it doesn't right. have to be complimentary doesn't have to be it could be anything it could be just like uh i don't know like your eyebrows because i noticed your eyebrows or something okay. yeah and then uh so the picture for jeff i mean i could literally picture him on your eyebrows but that's kind of like well why is he there i'm probably gonna forget that so i would maybe tie it to something more uh something deeper about him like he's a ai computer science guy and he has like all these whiteboards in his office when right. i walk in there it's just white with markers everywhere right so i would maybe even picture him using your eyebrows as like uh a, a surface to write all his uh computer science equations on you interesting. know interesting so that's a pretty like stark image that's like very sticky yeah yeah and it gets weird right yeah. the weirder it gets is almost easier to memorize that's interesting yeah. i mean i think it's interesting to see how you you, you essentially create mappings so for a digit yeah. span do you just do the 10 digits or you try to get a hundred different mappings you like double up the image so you do like two digit numbers per mapping. oh right i actually do three digit numbers okay so you have nine you have nine you have a thousand mappings a thousand different, a thousand different mappings yeah uh, i so started with two yeah what's I, 525 I, that is oh man it's from the show it's ronnie from the show uh i did this a while ago the jersey shore oh yeah, yeah 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 okay that's interesting <laughs> Yeah. Ronnie so, from Jersey Shore. Why? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so I started with a two-digit system, and you know, so like twenty-five uh, is an ex-girlfriend of mine, and she was kind of like, I hate to say this, Jersey Shore-ish, okay. um, <laughs> fake tan, kind of like 
got an accent. She was a great person, but just a little uh, funny in that way. Yeah. Anyway, so when I expanded it out to three-digit system, what I decided to do was to the make... The Jersey Shore cast has 25 and then one, two, three, four... F- so exactly. who's 625? Another character from Jersey yeah, Shore? Yeah, so that's Sammy. Uh, that's another character from there. 825 was Snooky, um, if you remember her. Yeah, um, 125, all, like I, situation, like... No, situation is 325, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I have a, like a category system. It's yeah. actually a bit helpful because, you know, if I see the last two digits, I know it's part of that family right. of uh, Jersey Shore people, you know? Okay. That, that's interesting. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because like you could get a lot more efficiency if you have, yeah. you know, you, your language is bigger, right? Like you have a palette of a thousand to stack yeah. up images as opposed to 10, 10 letters you're playing with as you're like trying to memorize thousands, you know, yeah, these massive patterns. more... Like you can get more digits, more right. bang for your buck. You know? Right, right. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that makes sense. So yeah, I think if you actually have very strong memory palaces and you have good languages that you build up, I mean, it sounds like digits and cards are the most mappable because you have the complete information yeah. there. Poems are a little bit less mappable because yeah. um, the language set of, of English is like what, like sure. 3,000 words? So you, yep. it's, you can't make a map of every single possible word. But I guess because they're words, there's some imagery, imagery tied to them. And then faces, like we don't have as humans yet, like have really good way to discretize. Like, oh, like right. this eyeball shape means right, exactly. this or. Yeah. But I guess if you were, you know, it'd be interesting if someone could come up with a system to do that. But it sounds like that's probably the most pure like memory format association, you have to just like kind of figure out like things that's catch yeah. your mind and tie it to a name. And that's more like real life, right? Yeah. How often are you given a set that's so fixed? It's usually right. something mixed with something else. You may right. not just get a number, but maybe it's like uh, information with numbers in it, right? So it's not necessarily so st- straight. So being able to practice with um, kind of the improvising aspect to it is more beneficial uh, for real life stuff. Yeah. Anything else that you think is interesting? I mean, I think those are, I mean, it seems like a good baseline system. I'm kind of curious, you know, when you were, you know, in peak competition form, were you just sitting at your desk 16 hours straight? You know, how, you know, know, were you doing stuff with your diet, exercise, different supplementation? Like how, how rigorous and how thorough were your protocols? I mean, there's interesting, you know, you know, you know, just from our perspective, there's interesting data around ketogenic diets, ketones, ketosis yeah. for, for cognitive performance. I'm curious, you know, how deep into the the weeds you get there. Yeah, you know, I, I, back when I was really into it, I've, I've kind of backed off a little bit, um, but I, I still train a lot. Um, I was interested in all those different aspects. I mean, the the training wasn't 16 hours a day, uh, but well, I mean hardcore like doing the events like over and over again maybe four or five hours a day when i was really leading up to a competition um but then other things i'm doing just always like i would always carry a deck of cards with me and i'd always like thumb through it and review the images you know things like that or i'd be thinking about stuff that i memorized before and that's kind of part of the training um but then physical fitness diets sleeping right trying to reduce stress all these kind of things i really tried to get into, especially leading up to these competitions. So um, my diet, uh, my ideas about diet weren't so sophisticated as they are now. I mean, 
I've been wanting to try the uh, um, keto diet. Um, I haven't. Yeah. Um, but I, I was I was I was talking to your assistant uh, before that my wife and I we do the whole thirty diet yeah. um, quite often, and that's when I do that I see a huge jump in in my performance and clarity. Right. Um, and so it's kind of like something I do now leading up to competitions to get that little edge, you know. Um, and yeah, physical fitness, I, I got to work out. Um, if I don't, I feel slow. I feel sluggish. Right. And uh, with it, I just feel like on it. And I try to incorporate some of my memory stuff in my workouts. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try anything just to, to, to switch it up or to, to see if it works. If you hear, a, you know, something might work for memory. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, t I'm interested in, you know, do you tend to stack your workouts before heavy memorization practices afterwards? I mean, have you felt a difference between how you structure your time? Yeah, uh, I would also try that. I'd, I'd see what would be better if I memorized in the morning straight out of bed or right. uh, post-workout, pre-workout or in the dark, like when it's night. Um, not dark in the room, but like at least dark outside, you know. Um, versus light. And then, um, yeah, I mean, back then I was, I had another job. So I, I also was limited to my schedule. So I'd have to actually memorize either before work on my lunch break, uh, or after I got a little sneaky. I do it sometimes at work, but, um, you know, I, I played with all these things and, um, sometimes I'd see benefits here or there. Other times I, it's really just what, like what you get, what you make your habit, I right. think, is, is really right. the of it. Um, and the goal for me was always, let me go to a competition, and I know what I'm going to get, and it's not a surprise because I've done it a million times um, under all different kinds of situ right. situations. You're relaxed. This is your, this is your yeah. backyard. Because the killer for memory, especially the competition, is nerves, yeah. um, which is going to happen, right? right? You're under pressure. Your heart's beating. There's people watching you with cameras and you know, it's a championship. It's you're, yeah, you're, trying, you know, you're trying to be the best in the world, right? Like it's, yeah. it's pressure. So it's no matter how good you are at home in the dark or in the quietness of your home. Uh, it doesn't mean anything unless you perform it there, you know? So I'm curious how your success in memory has translated across everything else you do. I mean, it must be huge in terms of having a growth mindset to realize that, Hey, I had you know, a, a non-remarkable memory as you, as you, you say, you started off with, and now you're like, yeah. okay, I'm literally probably the best in the world at some of these tasks. I mean, do you feel like you could take out and, and conquer any cognitive challenge now? I mean, I mean, that, that must be very confidence boosting for your sure. own personal learning capacity. Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, especially, and I just got into this, I thought, I still think that to some degree that anything is possible. Right. Um, you know, and I proved that to myself. You know, I had always been interested in things growing up and kind of got into playing instruments here and trying to learn the skill there. And I'd get right. decent at it, but I would never like go all the way to be a master at it. Right. And that always kind of frustrated me. And I was like, well, maybe I just don't have it in me right. to become great at anything. Just like a ma uh, jack of all trades, right? Master of none. But then I did it with memory. And then I was like, you know what? That wasn't, I mean, it was a lot of work, but I did it. And it wasn't something that I naturally thought that I would just have skill for. Right. something I worked at, right? And so with that in mind, yeah, it gives you tons of confidence because I remember thinking um, that I could do anything if I wanted to. Right. Um, now as I get older, I realize that there is maybe a little factor of, of youth. Um, but to some extent, I mean, if you really have the motivation to do something, you can do anything, honestly. 
I mean, aside from being like LeBron James, uh, where you just don't have those genetics. I mean, yes, I think there's some things that are just like matters of laws of physics. But I, I agree with you. I think that's a big part of our community and our listenership, where I think we all realize that we can we can improve ourselves. And and, and I think yeah. most things are just it takes dedication and, and and work. But you know, why limit yourself, right? Let the laws of physics limit you. Is kind of the way I think about it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's. It applies to anything. I mean, as simple as someone who smokes and they don't want to, they know they don't want to smoke, but they maybe are like, it's just too hard, right? Because as soon as I stop, I just want another cigarette. And even if I go four weeks without a cigarette, it just takes one and then I want it again. It's like, that doesn't matter. Like, there are so many things that you can do. And it all starts with your, like, the belief of yeah. it, you know? Um, you could do it. Anybody can do it. Uh, and, and same with memory. If they wanted to be me, they could be like a million times better than me. Um, and people have proven that right. uh, in modern day memory sports. You know? I mean, I want to touch upon some of the other work you're working on. It's not, I mean, I want to learn a little bit more about your Alzheimer activism efforts. And it sounds like sure. you're also an active mountaineer. I mean, this counts. I mean, yeah. I mean, what, what, what's active there? I mean, it sounds like you, you, got, your, you you're, you know, got your hands going in a lot of different places. Yeah. Um, I mean, learning about the memory stuff, a lot of it was not self-taught. I, I used resources, but a lot of it I had to figure out on my own what right. worked for me. And um, it's funny because not many people know about memory training and that you can improve your memory. They think it's for people who are just naturally gifted. And so part of the thing I wanted to do was get that out there. And I started because of my grandmother with Alzheimer's. So I started this charity called Climb for Memory. Um, I wanted to use it as a platform to educate people and to raise awareness for memory and brain health and Alzheimer's. And, you know, I didn't know how to go about it other than think of the most impressive thing uh, that I could do that I was into uh, to get people's attention. And that seemed to be climbing. Uh, and I, I still think it's a pretty uh, good way to get people's attention. Um, so mountaineering is something that I've been into for quite a while. And so Everest what are you climbing? Always, okay, so you're climbing Everest, or you've climbed yeah, Everest. I've attempted Everest three times. Uh, I haven't summited, okay. um, but I've come within 50 meters of the top. I've, I've turned around for one reason or another. Um, but yeah, I'm more, I, I really like these big peaks that are long expeditions that, that basically boil down to um, you know pushing the mind, right? These are obviously physical feats, but you'd be surprised it's more mental, I think, than physical. Yeah, here, I mean, it's like a three-month <laughs> minimum type of an expedition. I mean, just getting the base camp, base camp acclimatizing. Yeah, and it's a process. Yeah. yeah, it's A lot of it, honestly, is sitting around just dealing with the, the voices in your head. You know, you got to wait for the right weather. You got to wait for your body to slowly acclimatize. Right. Yeah, it's a whole process. Um, so there's that side of things. Um, and then in more recent times, I've been trying to develop tools and, and learning platforms for people to learn what I do um, and to be able for them to use it on anything they want and to practice and train and right. learn um, online. So there's an app that I've been working on called Art of Memory. Um, and uh, we just released some of the beta stuff, but it's got like memory palace um, trainers. You can organize your memory palaces. There's like system generators. Uh, to create your systems for all sorts of things. There's tutorials, a forum. 
there's some software that we have where you can play people head to head and little memory matches. That's cool. And I think this would be a good platform for A-B testing or, or, or comping at placebo with some of our nootropics, right? Like, you you know, one could actually, I, I, the notion of quantifying and benchmarking is yeah. so important of all of human performance, right? Otherwise, it's like, sure. whoa, you know. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. You're just yeah, you're like blind leading the blind. So I think definitely, you know, we'll, ha we'll have to link towards that as like, is it, is it a free app? Is it a mobile app? Is it a web app? How do, how do people uh, get, get there, on it? It's a monthly subscription, um, but there's different, you know, levels. I, I think it's really affordable. Um, and uh, the resources on it are really, you know, you're learning from the best and the people on there are the best memory people in the world. So um, I think it's great. I think it's innovative. There's some other kind of learning tools out there, but I think there's something special about this. So um, I would encourage your listeners, uh, viewers to go check it out. Art of Memory. Uh, Artofmemory.com, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for uh, being on the program. I know you have a, you have to run. So um, yeah. we'd love to, you know, stay in touch and, and, and be supportive in any way that we can help some of the efforts. I think, you know, Alzheimer's is on the flip side of enhancing cognitive performance. But I think on, on memory and human performance, it's always a spectrum. If we can potentially help enhance cognitive performance, you know, I, I think, you know, delaying or preventing cognitive decline. It's just the very much the other side of that coin. So appreciate yeah. the good work you're doing in, in all those areas. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Cheers. All right. Take care, Nelson. See you, Jeff. Hey, take peace. Easy. Bye. Fun conversation with Nelson. Uh, I think it's cool that he really shared, you know, and, and, and we're able to just like actually give me real examples of, okay, you know, 525 is Ronnie from Jersey Shore, I think is, 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 is awesome. Um, but it also made it a lot more tangible for me to realize what these people are doing. Um, okay, like a Seven of Clubs is Batman, like King of Hearts is his dad. Um, interest, you know, like this seems like tact, like approachable from a layman like myself into getting into competitive memory. Um, I'd love to keep track of Nelson and his, and his efforts moving forward. Definitely some interesting potential collaboration around nootropics and memory. Um, so this is wrapping up, you know, close to the end of the year in, in 2017. Uh, Zilla and I have been had a phenomenal year running this podcast over the last year and a half. I, you know, our, our audience has exploded to a point where I think we get really funny stories of us like seeing people on the street and different cafes, you know, giving us very kind and warm words. So hopefully... Uh, We'd like to continue what we're doing. As always, please leave us feedback if there's any way we can improve our programming, our guests, our style. Uh, very open to that. Um, as always, we appreciate you know any subscriptions and ratings and all of that that you guys are, are, are doing. Uh, as always, uh, if you like this episode, subscribe on SoundCloud, YouTube, Google, Apple, and Spotify. Um, I don't hear from if you don't hear from me until the new year happy new years happy christmas happy new year uh best of luck in 2018 see ya